You're listening to the Marketing Sales Superstar with Andrew S. Kaplan. And now your host, Andrew S. Kaplan. Welcome everyone to another episode. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan and you are the Marketing Sales Superstar. Today we got a pretty awesome interview coming up with a man by the name of Robert Posey. In fact, it was so good, it might not be the last one we do, but we dove into a lot of a lot of philosophy on sales, but we also snuck in a few tactics there, and uh, there's a lot of hidden gold throughout the stories that he tells and the approach that he suggests and the rules that he gives on doing business, which were the number one reason why I booked him to begin with. So... We're about to jump into that. Uh, before we do, a quick little note. As always, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Still available on Amazon. Still selling really well. If you haven't picked it up yet, I highly, highly recommend you get to that now. I might be raising the price again sometime soon. We will see about that. But the time is now if you want to grab it. Uh, also, as always, marketingsalessuperstar.com. That's where you can go to listen to this podcast on all the different platforms that are available. Those include Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Breaker, Overcast, and Podbean. And that's all I got for you. So you know what? Let's not waste any time. I'm going to switch mics up, and we will dive into a really excellent interview. So get ready for some high value and some real gold. Okay, the marketing sales superstar officially and gladly welcomes Mr. Robert Posey. Uh, this guy, I don't even know where to begin on how to describe this guy's level of skill. Some might call him an entrepreneur, some might call him a sales ninja. And when I say some, I mean me, because I don't know if anyone else has ever said that. But um, to put it in terms that people really get on, on how much of a real deal this guy is, um, just reading off a couple things I know about him, he's, he's closed more than a million dollars in eight months for a single client on a new funnel. He's taken a client from $16,000 per month to $200,000 per month, and that was in a span of only three months. He currently has a team of 30 high-ticket closers, which is no surprise uh, given the other stats I gave you. I mean, these guys are real deal players. They close big sales, and they get big money for his clients and for his people. Um, he's also helped uh, funnels break the 50% closing mark, which is huge for those that are going to know. And he averages a couple hundred thousand in sales per week. And when I say him, I mean him and his team. Uh, this is a force to be reckoned with. Mr. Robert Posey, thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I am, uh, I'm really excited for this conversation. There's, there's like a million things uh, to talk about and a million questions. And um, I'm sure we won't hit on everything, but we're going to hit on some real gold. Uh, I know that for sure. Uh, I really guess I wanted to begin by uh, asking you, you know, what took you to this place with, with what you're doing right now? What inspired you to take this direction and how the hell did you get so good at sales? Oh, man. So there's a story here. Um, first of all, thank you for the kind words. <sighs> I guess let me let me try to sum it up. I'll give you... It's not a short story, but I'm going to try to sum it up for you. So basically, in 
I think 2008, uh, I had dropped out of automotive college and moved myself to Atlanta. Uh, there's the, the reason I moved myself to Atlanta, number one, I was born here, but grew up in South Carolina. And uh, on Hilton Head, you know, there's, there's no shortage of, of wealthy people. And this, this gentleman pulled up in a Ferrari. <clears throat> I think I was 16 years old. He pulled up in a Ferrari. And uh, I asked him, what do I have to do to get a car like yours? And he said, you need to get the fuck out of here. I hope, I hope it's okay if I drop F-bombs. Yeah, man. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> that was his, his words were, get the fuck out of here. And I asked him, like, what do you mean? He said, well, you're in a retirement community. These people have made their money and they're holding on to it. So you need to move to a big city where people are making transactions and uh, you need to get your hands involved. So, uh, you know, that always stuck with me. The Ferrari was a big deal at 16. It's not anymore. But uh, I decided when I dropped out of school that I should follow his advice. I had no, no game plan, no idea what I was going to do. But I took off, headed to Atlanta, uh, lived in my grandfather's basement for a little while. And I got a job day one at Gold's Gym. Well, fit, fitness has always been a, a part of my life. It was a, a big part of my life back then. So a gym was the logical move. I was hired as a front desk greeter, if you will. Uh, my, my job being say hello, make sure people check in, you know, that, that first step of customer service. But the thing that limited me was they said to stay behind the desk. You got to stand here. You got to stay right here. Your face needs to be the first thing they see when they walk in. And being hyperactive, that didn't work. So I actually got caught spinning in, a, in an office chair. I was spinning in circles. I was like 18, 19. I don't remember how old I was. And uh, the, the boss man, turns out, he, he's, his name is Bob Langley. He was the president of a company called Results Through Motivation. They, own, uh, they owned, at the time, 1,500 Arby's and Mrs. Winner's chains. And the gym was just his, his hobby. But he was, he was a very, very cool mentor. And instead of firing me, he promoted me. And uh, that's how I got my first sales job. Um, I did a really, really bad job. I was terrible. I was nervous, kind of thrown to the wolves. Really, I didn't know what sales was, you know, aside from, you know, in high school selling sandwiches and other things that come in little plastic baggies. But in any case, what ended up happening was uh, I met a mentor. My first internet marketing mentor happened to be a member there. His name was Ori Bingal. Some of you might have heard of him. Um, long story short, he gave me an audio book, took me to my first marketing event, gave me an audio book, uh, Chet Holmes, How to Become a Sales Superstar. Hmm. And I asked him to mentor me. He said, I'll only mentor you on one condition. He said, take the book. I want you to listen to the audio book three times, and I want you to implement everything that you learn without question. So I did. 30 days later, I was number one out of seven Metro Atlanta locations. Nice. Uh, and then held that position for a year and a half, you know, back and forth, number one and number two spot. 
off and on. So gyms were a big thing, but they weren't the thing. I, I stayed in gyms for, I don't know, five, six years after that, all the while trying to become this internet marketer. I got this, this thing in my head that I need to become a marketer so that I can run other people's businesses. They have the expenses and I just take a percentage of their profits for doing a good job. Well, all the while I'm learning this, this information and trying to become a marketer on the side, I'm supporting myself through sales. But I, I had that same kind of negative connotation that that negative headspace around selling that uh, everybody, you know, it does at some point, you know, the used car salesman. And uh, I never owned it. I never, I never could really, really own it. And that was until, uh, I guess it's been about three and a half years ago now. I, uh, I went to Phoenix, Arizona and met with a gentleman by the name of Gulliver Giles and his wife, his lovely wife, Leela Cosgrove. And I learned about the high ticket world. Uh, at that point, you know, there, there's not, if you've ever worked in gyms, there's not money to be made there. You mm. know, as an owner, maybe. Uh, super high overhead. They don't pay well. Um, getting people to enroll is, you know, it's the commissions are super low. You're, you're talking $35 to $100 at the max. So you cap out quick <coughs> and, and still have very little to show for it. So um, this high ticket world blew my mind. It's like, wow, I can make, you know, $1,000 commissions for a one-hour phone call. And the leads are generated for me. That's, that's an important thing we can circle back to if you want to put it on your list of questions. But um, prospecting and cold calling and, and um, people seem to think that's sale, selling and it's, it's not. Mm, so Yeah, we'll definitely turn, come back to that one, brother. Sure. So uh, Gulliver, after the event, I called him up and I was like, hey, dude, I, I really would love to sell high ticket. I don't have any leads, though. I don't have a thing to offer. Uh, I, I had no value. I didn't think I was valuable. And so he, he paired me up with a guy. Jay Boyer was my first client. Uh, we did 100000 in sales. I personally did 100000 in sales my first month with him. My second month, another 100000 in sales. And then he turned his offer off. Yeah. How, now, how many people are buying in that just like for $100,000 worth of sales? Uh, that, that actually was a $10,000 offer. Cool. So it was not a, a huge number, but it was, it was a difficult sale, if right. you will. And was, that's the beauty of high ticket. If you make that sale, the money comes. It does, yeah, quickly. And, and you, don't, it, you don't need 100 people to talk to to do it. So I, I think I was closing 20 or 30% on that offer. So whatever that translates to, it wasn't a ton of conversations. Good for you, man. So, uh, and you said he shut up the offer. I, I cut you off just because I was so curious. Yeah, he did. He had some alignment issues. There was, uh, the, the thing is, what he was doing was, was teaching people how to have their own million dollar webinar. The issue is, <clears throat> and this, this is a problem I see with our industry, it starts with value. Everything starts with value. You have to have a ton of value. 
you have to be able to provide. And we can get into these rules of mine as well. Yeah. But if you don't have the value, then it's very, very difficult for you to succeed with a webinar or a high ticket offer. You have to have value that resonates with an audience. They have to have a problem that you solve and they have to be aware of the problem. Right? Mm -hmm. So the issue with Jay was we sold these people into his program and he didn't know that they had enough value to succeed with what he was teaching them. He could sure help them create a webinar, help them do their marketing, whatever, but he can't change what they're, they're good at, what their skill set is. And so, you know, there was inevitably some people in the program that <laughs> they, um, you know, they thought they were very valuable, but at the end of the day, their programs weren't converting. And he, Jay, Jay is a super high integrity person. So because he couldn't make their offers convert, he shut it off. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think he was wise to do so. Uh, hindsight. Right. So that was my first kind of intro to high ticket. And basically at that event with Gulliver, I had some really, really interesting breakthroughs. Um, people wonder and they talk about leads and it's just a lead. It's just a lead. Why can't you close? There's, you know, your, your boss or whoever the, the client is, they want to know, why aren't you putting up numbers if you're not performing? To them, a lead is a lead is a lead is a lead. And it's just not the case. So, you know, uh, I guess, shit, we can, we can open up, put some cards on the table. Um, my dad was a real prick. Like, I, I love the dude. We have a pretty decent relationship. But uh, he was not somebody to be challenged, challenged when we were growing up. You know, his, his way or the highway type of guy. And I had a real problem closing leads for that were similar to my dad, those high D personalities, the ones that you encounter in a uh, business growth environment. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these alphas are business owners. And when they get on the phone, you're trying to pitch them. They throw out an objection and I would immediately clam up. Right. Well, that, that event, I learned so much about myself and what value was and where to own uh, sales, where, where to really step into and believe that selling comes from a better place than, you know, that used car salesman persona we talked about. Mm -hmm. so. <coughs> um, God, we're, we're all over the place. So many things we could talk about right now. No, it's, I mean, I'm following you all along, by the way. My brain is like tracking a lot of this. Um, quick question. Yeah. I don't want to put uh, words in your mouth, but, is this about, um, you know, is, is the answer to your sales issue or was the answer to your sales issue really about kind of putting your personal feelings aside and focusing on communicating the value and letting the cards, uh, letting the chips fall where they may? Well, you definitely have to. You definitely have to. But there's other things in the background, mm -hmm. right? So we, we just hit on a bunch of things, but we'll, we'll focus on this one for a sec. The... The deal is you, I'll just throw my rules out there now and we can address them as, as they go along with this particular thing. Cool. So when, whenever I take on a client or, or look at taking on a new client, there's a ton of funnels out there. There's a ton of marketers out there that are 
you know, teaching, you know, Steve Smith how to create his agency, create his high ticket offer. And it's all well and good, except for same thing Jay Boyer was dealing with, uh, the, the value. So rule number one, when we go to take on a client, you must provide a significant and measurable return on investment. So not, not for nothing, I don't work with, you know, uh, co- like life coaches. It's not my thing. There's, it's very, very hard to prove the result, right? <laughs> and, and as such, it's very hard to justify mathematically why somebody would want to make an investment. It's hard to sell. So uh, we, we don't mess with that type of offer. Most of what we do is business, business growth, marketing, uh, sales, that type of stuff, lead gen, et cetera. So that's rule number one. You must provide a significant and measurable return on investment to your client. Rule number two, <coughs> excuse me. Rule number two is that um, we have to have a 100% complete belief in the people the product and the process, uh, you know, that Marcus Lemonis talks about that in his uh, show that he had the profit, the people, the product and the process. And you, when you look at those things, really what you're trying to analyze is, are you selling something that you can ethically and morally show up and hold someone accountable to the result that they want? Right. Mm-hmm. You need, to have a belief in the people. Number one, did, are they ethical or are you selling people, their, their leads into a program that inevitably will hurt them or, or you know, slow them down? And, and as a salesperson, you know, working third party, you know, as a quote unquote sales mercenary or whatever you want to call us, some of that you have to let go. Some of that you, you can't hold yourself responsible for. But where it comes in, where it's important is your sales team and, and your, yourself. It is very difficult for a, a, uh, at least an ethical salesperson to close a sale that they don't believe in. If you don't have the belief in the product, at least for me, the words, they don't even come out of my mouth properly. And I, I will sabotage a sale self-consciously if I don't believe in the people. Same thing with the product. And same thing with the process. So what you're looking for is a product that delivers that measurable return on investment. It has a low refund rate. It has people that genuinely care about the outcome. And what you get from that is a sustainable business. You get something that's going to be here for years and years. It's not the million dollar launch that's gone six months from now. Right. It's the multi-million dollars over the course of a long run. That's correct. Yes, mm-hmm. 100%. And, and the last rule is we have to be able to laugh together, right? So, you know, to, to expound a little bit, if I got a call from you and you wanted to come hang out and have a beer and I start looking for excuses why I don't want to hang out with you, Odds are you're probably a pain in the ass and I don't want to be representing you. I don't want to work with you. I don't want to communicate with you on a daily basis. Mm. (laughs) So 
what what happens the question that you asked me re- refresh my memory or or re-ask that question letting go of the personal and and just focusing on the value how did you (laughs) let me try to 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 phrase it the best way um i i was almost and i even said i was almost putting words in your mouth that it sounded like a huge thing that may have clicked for you was the moment where you weren't taking things personally like you weren't taking these people that had the personality of your dad and that were challenging you you weren't taking that personally you were more just taking on the challenge of integrity within yourself to just properly communicate the value and let things go from there right 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 so here's here's where this was all supposed to tie together the the value that <laughs> it needs to be a, a focus right you need to be able to show up if if your job is to close the lead you need to be able to show up and focus on that value and, and enrolling that person into the program. Mm-hmm. If you don't have those three rules backing you up, then there will be questions. There will, there's, there is, uh, I guess at times when, when you will have confidence in selling that thing, but having those rules backing the product and the people and, and, you know, you personally selling for that client, it allows you to focus on the sale. Dude. The answer is not black and white. It's not yes or no. It's both, both need to be addressed. So the personal side of things, like my dad, the alpha personality that, you know, growing up, I had a problem with, it was something completely separate. Mm. But because now I have those rules in place, myself and my team, we can focus on ourselves a little bit more. We can deal with our personal shit, our, our headspace stuff, the things that affect all salespeople, whether you realize you're a salesperson or not. If you're in business, you should be. You are. And you're going to have headspace. And you might not realize that you have that headspace or, or what it is yet. But for me, it was about proving myself, right? I had this, this, I have, he's, he's still around, good dude, um, my father, and <clears throat> essentially, uh, he liked to challenge, you know, you tell, even, even, I'll give you an example, when I went to that seminar, that sales seminar in Phoenix, Arizona with Gulliver and Leela, I called him from the tarmac, or he called me, I answered the phone, and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting ready to fly to Arizona. For what? I'm going to a sales event. Why? Well, to learn more about sales. Yeah, but you could have done that at the local college. (laughs) Right? So that stuff, whether you realize it or not, for me, it was damaging. And it affected my ability to sell to certain people. Well, at the event, I I got to expose a lot of that stuff. And I realized I don't have to prove anything to anybody, right? You, you do have to let go of the answer. It, you're not proving anything to the lead. You're not proving anything to your dad. You're not proving anything to anybody but yourself. So factor those three rules in and have a, a product that you can, you can morally and ethically feel good about. It doesn't matter now, yes or no, right? What you're trying to get from the call you know, you hope for a yes, but a no is completely acceptable, right? So, mm. 
by letting it all go and not having to prove and having a clear headspace, you can focus on that yes or that no. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And you know, this is really awesome uh, because just to tell everybody listening right now, um, you and I had a conversation, I think 48 hours ago. It, it's, it's been a blurry week, but I think it was 48 hours ago where you first told me these rules. And when I first heard them, <clears throat> it was in a different conversation in a different context. And it's, it connected with me in a way that, yes, it was about business, but there was also an aspect of, of integrity within your life that I thought I would be just so cool to share. But now I'm hearing this deeper extra layer to it because like essentially what you've done is you've either uh, discovered or installed these rules that are basically creating all the criteria that you need to meet in order to have a logical, sensible, easy to follow linear sales sequence where you're never going to be thrown off because no one's ever going to throw you off because you have those criteria to always pull you back. So they could take you off the topic. They could have objections. They could have their own bullshit going on. But by you choosing to require that, those rules and that set of criteria, you've basically pre-installed automatic success so long as the product or service that you're selling is right for the person who's you're selling it to. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, well, so we go into, so there, there's definitely some, some tactics and strategies here, but, but beyond that is, is theory, right? So if, if someone shows up on the call and, and you need to have your definitions clear. So I'll give you a couple. One, a sales conversation is a conversation between two or more people trying to elicit a yes or a no from someone who has the ability to give a yes. All right, that, that came from Kevin Nations. I won't take credit for it. Um, fantastic sales mentor and, and friend of mine. Um, number two, leads, prospects, right? Those, those, need, those need a bit of uh, defin- defining as well. A prospect, right? You go out prospecting. You're trying to find someone who has a potential to be a client. Like if you're selling B2B, do they have a business? Yeah, they do. Cool. Prospects could be the phone book, right? <laughs> you, you dial and hopefully you, you're dialing the right people uh, that, that have the ability or, or the problem that you solve. Hmm. A lead. I believe a lead is when somebody has, a prospect has then shown an interest. And of course, you can break that into cold, warm, and hot. So what we do is it's, it's inbound leads. Our clients run uh, traffic to a VSL or a webinar. They then fill out an application and show an interest, enough of an interest that they're willing to actually fill out questions and then click to schedule a call. They know what this is about. They know it's a sales call. It's, it's gravy. This, this world that we live in as salespeople is gravy. There's, there's a whole other world of salespeople out there that you know, they have to do their own prospecting and find their own leads and warm them, nurture them. It's a pain in the ass. We live in a world there should be no complaints from high-ticket salespeople unless they're selling shitty products for shitty people. Now, when you say we live in a world, do you mean <laughs> we as in the people that are selling these high-ticket things? You're saying we as in the industry yeah. you're specifically in? Yes, yes, yes. The high ticket closers, the ones that represent, are, are working for representing clients uh, that, that do webinar, inbound uh, webinar 
lead generation, I guess. Right. So if I'm understanding you right, like the reason this is gravy is because <clears throat> the beginnings of the sales funnel have already technically been taken care of or will be taken care of that in a way that's going to set up a sales call with someone that's genuinely interested. They're already warm. They're already ready. And if I'm putting more words in your mouth, I think this is what you were talking about before when you were saying leads isn't necessarily sales and prospecting isn't necessarily sales. Sales well, in and of itself is its own process that's on the end of that. And those are other standards that need to be met just in the process overall. They do. They do. I, I believe that selling starts when the conversation begins or, or the person to person conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, not to get too far off in left field. The conversation really starts in your prospect's head when they realize they have a problem. Mm. You know, maybe they start looking for a solution, maybe they don't. But in either case, your marketing is what should get them get in front of those prospects and try to create an interest where they become a lead. Once they have an interest, then you can start the sales process. So well, I guess what I was trying to answer, we gave, gave some definitions. We were, we were still on headspace and we were still on uh, the ethics and, and morals uh, that the rules I abide by or have my clients abide by um, allows us to sell without funk, head funk, that, that stuff that gets in a salesperson's head and mm. causes them to worry or, or lose a sale because they're they're often in La La Land worried about right. you know, whether, whether daddy loves me or not. So <laughs> what happens if you have the, the right marketing in place and, and you have a lead with an interest and they show up to a phone call knowing full well they've filled out an application. Sometimes those applications even ask questions as direct as if there's a right fit for you, are you prepared to invest today? That's a deliberate, very deliberate question. It's meant to remove somebody who's not a potential sale. So <clears throat> when you show up to that call and all of that stuff, those rules and, and all of that is in place, now you can show up and truly hold space for that lead. When they show up and they 100% have their own shit going on, their business isn't working right. They miss their daughter's ballet recital because, you know, they're, they're responsible for generating their own leads and they haven't closed enough to keep food on the table this week uh, or, or this month, right? They, they've got things going on and they're looking for a solution. When you are so confident in what it is that you're selling, you can now hold that space and challenge them because what we do, we're essentially psychiatrists. These people come with problems. They come with, you know, God, they go, they come to these calls and they say things like, I need to talk to my wife. I need to, um, you know, I, I don't have the money right now. Well, guess what? There's a quote. I'll, I'll give you a quote. I teach my guys. Uh, this one came from Gulliver, and I, I, I will give credit wherever it's due every time. Gulliver said to me one time, because I was dealing with headspace around handling objections, he said, the reason they can't is the reason they must. 
Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So all of these things that back you up and give you a, a solid platform, sales platform or, or psychological sales platform to stand on. When somebody's throwing you their BS and you're aware of yours, you're able to challenge them and you're able to hold them accountable to the result they said that they wanted. When they showed up, they filled out an application, said that they had a problem and you go through the sales process and of course you're, you're deep diving, you're looking for these questions or, or excuse me, you're asking these questions looking for what's the result that they want? Where are they at currently? Where would they like to get to? What's been holding them back? When you start diving into those questions and then you start getting objections, you can hold that person to a higher standard than they hold themselves. Mm. You can challenge them because guess what? Somebody else didn't. Somebody else, whether it was themselves, their spouse, a mentor that they had, a boss that they have, uh, whatever. Maybe, maybe somebody let them down in their past. They have trust issues and they have these, these things that weigh on them and keep them from getting the result. If you can't expose that truth and then challenge them to be a better person than they are or were when they got on the call with you, then you're doing a shitty job. Cool. So <clears throat> this is, this is deep stuff. I've got a, I think it's a, it's a very left field question. Sure. Um, Throw it at me. <laughs> holy shit. Okay. So you're talking, first of all, I don't even think I need to tell my audience that you're coming from integrity based here and that's going to lead to other questions, but it's, it's such a, a core fundamental solid base to come from. And you are telling a story about another gentleman who, who stopped selling the program because he didn't think that he was giving the value to them. So with that in mind, he had a concern about, <coughs> excuse me, about these people spending money when they weren't going to get something out of it. Do you or your team, or have you ever heard of instances of encountering prospects that you can identify that they are such a mental disaster that even though your shit will work, they don't have the resources or the tools within themselves to properly implement and does that stop you from selling to them? Or is that something you even identify? So it's a tough question. Like when you run a team of uh, 30, mm -hmm. salespeople are wolves, right? They're, they're here to eat. They're hunting. Um, it's very, very difficult to coach a salesperson and tell them not to take money. Mm -hmm. Me personally, uh, I, I do my best. I do my best to identify that. And I personally will turn a deal down over it. Do you tell them that? Do you say, Hey, listen, this will work, but, but you, you're not ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Because you're still there to serve at the end of the day. You're still there to serve that person. So one of the things I try to do is to, to leave uh, a person in a better place than when, when I found them or when they found me, mm -hmm. right? That doesn't always mean making them feel good. Ah, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it really, really doesn't. So if 
I'll give you an example. One of my clients, I don't think he'll mind me sharing his name, Nick Carpenter. Uh, he runs a community, right? So it's a course and it's a community, more, more so a community, I would say. And he's very particular about that community. You know, we, he's capped our sales. He doesn't want us to sell more than a certain amount because he wants to have a personal relationship with every single person that comes through his program. When you run a community that tight, now, now his, his business is built for longevity. I think that he'll be around for a long, long time. Um, when you run a community like that, if you let someone in with, with you know, a noticeable or, or significant funky headspace, they can take and, and fuck up the feng shui. Yeah, right? they could ruin everything. They come into the party and start kicking tables over and slamming beer bottles and just they make everybody uncomfortable and productivity is lost mm. and, and results then go down and whatever. You need to cut those people off quickly and, and remove them if they are in your program. Uh, but like, like I said, though, when you, when you have a team of 30, you know, not everybody has the exact belief system that I do. I try to coach them. I try to train them on that. Uh, and they do a really good job. You know, we, we set standards with our clients. Who do you want in your program and who specifically do you not want in your program? Mm. And then we also coach with them a little bit too. Sometimes we have to let them know that, like, Hey, we, at the end of the day, get the final say. Um, and, and we will not sell someone who fits this criteria. Got it. You know, real quick side note, because um, I happen to agree, like Nick Carpenter's solid guy. <clears throat> really cool thing is here we're having a conversation about him and here you're telling the story. While it's 99.9% .9 not his actual intent, although I could be wrong, the fact that we're telling the story, the fact that he runs it that way, it's actually helping his positioning because anyone that hears this conversation that knows of him and is interested in investing they're going to be even more enthusiastic to do that because they know that he's not just taking anybody and that he's only taking their money if he could actually help them and put them in a legit community. So he's not only keeping things going well for himself, he's like he's positioning himself just by virtue of his integrity, which I think you do also. You have this level of integrity that you may or may not speak about that others will or will not tell stories about that kind of, it kind of self uh, nurtures, it's, it kind of nurtures itself to make more business without you even realizing. Well, at the end of the day, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I take it as a compliment. Um, but at the end of the day, business is about relationships, mm. right? And, and you, you've heard people say things to the nature of uh, people only buy from, from other people they know, like, and trust. Mm. That's, that's mostly true. Um, at least in the grand scheme of things, they might buy from you once, but if they don't like you after that, odds are they're not going to buy again. So I, I really think that the sustainable business, the, the business that you hear about, um, you know, 10 years after its inception and, and how it's continually grown and it's evolved and it's changed and it's, it's, it's shown in a positive light. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably, I'm guessing here, going out on a limb, but I think there's probably uh, a trend there 
um, I, I would be willing to bet that those companies have some focus on relationships. Yeah. It's like they're, they're being selfish. They're, they're, they're being unselfish, but it's, it's helping them be selfish in a good way. Oh, you gotta be selfish. You've got to protect you. You've got to protect your clients and you've got to protect your own self, your, your own business. I mean, ride or die. I think Mitch Miller talks about if you don't believe in the thing that you're selling to the point that you would die for it, then you're, you're doing something wrong. I don't remember the rest of the shit he says, but, yeah. but I because, believe that in this, in this regard. Because no one else, not even your friends, are going to do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. You do. You do. Or pay people a lot of money to do it. <laughs> <laughs> true that. True that. So while we're on the subject of integrity, a question I had for you, because again, and, and you know, I'm, this is a compliment and I am saying this and I think anyone listening, the integrity that you have, it's very, very difficult to fake and impossible to fake over the long term. So knowing that you have this level of integrity, what I want to ask you is what do you find is the most challenging part of your sales process? What do you have the most difficulty with given the fact that I think my listeners are also going to have integrity. So I'd love for them to get insight from you of like, okay, if you're operating in this way, what are the hardest things that you have to deal with and overcome and how do you do so? Uh, I, I feel like I know what you're reaching for a little bit and, and maybe not a specific answer, but there's, there's not been anything that I've identified that integrity causes a problem for. Mm -hmm. Got it. I mean, you attract really, really solid people. And like my sales conversations now, when I work with a, speak to a potential client, <laughs> I don't get on and pitch them. They, they come to me by reputation like nine times out of 10. And we've, we talk about what they're selling. I tell them what the price is and either they, they want to move forward or they don't. Cool. So, um, go ahead. Uh, well, integrity or not in that case, integrity or, or not integrity, notwithstanding <clears throat> just you as a high level sales guy, what would you say is your current challenge? Your, what's the biggest thing that you or your team or your, your company has and how do you, how have you attacked it or, or how are you choosing to attack it? I think it's an industry thing. Really the, the biggest thing that stands out to me is, is clients come to us. This has always been the case. Uh, even when I was just doing this solo and a, a lot of the, the reason I priced the, the way that I price and, and the way that I um, have my business model structured uh, is, is because of this, but lead generation. So in, in our space, it's very hard to keep uh, consistent lead flow, right? So there, there's, I've got clients that produce 40 appointments a day. And I have clients that struggle to keep eight appointments a day. And when you're, it's a balance. There's so many, there's like, I was thinking the other day, I was driving and, and I, that's where I get my, most of my good thinking. And um, it's just a, a bunch of, you know, balance beams and you're, you're either you hired too many salespeople and the lead flow, now it's spread too thin. or you don't have enough salespeople on the other side of the balance beam and there's too many leads. And right, there's, there's this, this balance. And it seems to be the, the biggest one in my company, in my business, and, and in this high ticket space is that balance of lead flow. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when you have salespeople that are as high level of producers as I've, I've found or attracted or whatever shit you want to call it, they know what they're worth. They know what they're capable of producing and they won't settle for that. So mm-hmm. they're a bunch of lovely, amazing human beings, but when the lead falls down, uh, I'm the same way that we turn into prima donnas. Hey, what the hell? Calendar's a little light. Like now you're starting to affect, you know, what I'm, what I'm making. When, when my bank account is affected by someone else's lead flow, it's a pain in the ass. It really is. So, God, how are we, how are we addressing it? Um, well, it comes down to client selection for us. Like we, we charge uh, in such a way as only to attract people who are capable of, you know, paying for ad spend. We're not here to be somebody's unicorn. Don't call and, and say, hey, I just came up with an offer yesterday and I think it's going to work. I have 100 leads today. I can't, I'm overwhelmed. We take on as a client, uh, two weeks later, we've been through your leads, and now you're like, I don't know how to fill the calendar. We don't, we're, we're savvy to that. We, we see it from a mile away. Mm-hmm. So client selection is one way. And I guess another piece of, of our puzzle, one of the reasons I think that we are successful is we stay in our own lane. We are high-ticket closers. We are enrollment specialists. That's what we do. I am not a lead generation expert. Uh, I, I know a bunch of them, but you know, nature of this business, you get pretty familiar with the other side too. But um, really it comes down to coaching. Uh, I think is, is if we wanted to succeed and in, in some of, even some of our best clients, their leads will tank at times. And it's just a matter of, you got to stay on top of it. You've, you've got to, communicate you have to communicate with your clients and let them know uh when things are are going down so for us we do a lot of reporting we do um every single day we give them a calendar update make sure that they know exactly what our calendars look like and we request that they stay on top of it um our our stuff is not contractual and i'm not locking anybody in for 12 months six months 24 months. Like I, I don't, I don't do that. The reason is it's twofold. It's one. I think if we're not performing, you should be able to walk away uh, from the relationship. And two, if you're not performing, I'm going to walk away from the relationship. So I think we're, we're like passive aggressively solving that issue. <laughs> now, if I'm understanding you right, it sounds like, you know, if someone wants to work with you, they've got to have their, their lead generation game on point or they've got to hire someone else that's going to do it for them because what you do is you take the leads and you close them from there. You don't create the leads for them. No, we don't. We do not. Cool. That, that goes into, man, that, there's history there. Like in the, in the gym world, you're required as a salesperson like to go canvassing parking lots, interrupt people at, that are grocery shopping, you know, walk up to them at restaurants, whatever it takes. You need to set 10 appointments per day. 
is what they say. They don't give you any ammunition or, or coaching on that. Just go do it, right? There's, God, there's agencies out there too. They call us. Like if I speak to nine people that want uh, to hire us for sales service, services, three of them usually will be decent uh, candidates. Uh, the other six will be asking about cold calling or, or some other thing. I don't do cold calling because cold calling is prospecting. Cold calling is marketing. That is not a commission-only uh, role or position. Cold calling is like that's a salary thing. You need to be paying, paying those people because they're doing your heavy lifting for you. That is, I admire the shit out of cold callers and door knockers. Um, but <clears throat> that said, um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Well, it sounds to me like, I mean, you're, you're basically about playing the smart game. You want lead. You guys are going to close it. You're, it's going to work. You just want to make sure that you've got quality coming in. And, well, you know, you don't want to try to force that quality. You want to work with people that actually have it because that's how, especially for a high ticket type of offer, that's the only way it's going to work. You know, I won't say it's the only way, but it's the way that we found that works. Mm, got it. Got it. Awesome. Quick question about that, uh, that Chet Holmes book. Because you, you began this like with that story where um, that guy told you to read it like three times. Mm-hmm. Would you give that same advice to someone today? Or is there a higher leverage or higher level or additional type of step? you would want people to go through or instruct them to go through if they wanted to really get good at sales? Uh, number one, multi-part question. I don't think anything's ever black and white. It's never yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. <laughs> so so I, I believe that, number one, I've tried to find that. To the best of my knowledge, that's the title of the audio book that I got. I've looked for it and searched for it. And, and I cannot find that particular title, uh, how to become a sales superstar. But it's, it's in my face, in my head, in my memory. I see it. Um, there are a ton of good sales books out there. And that particular book, it didn't give anything so super detailed or over the top that it's the best thing out there. It did change my life. And I, I do recommend all of Chet Holmes' training. Yes. I, I think that the old school sales stuff is all you, all you really need. The stuff that works for me is the, the old school stuff. Like there's, there's strategies and tactics and all these things out here that I, I don't know, man. They just train, train a lot and find what works for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's yes. So to, to answer your question, yes. I think reading that book three times and implementing it, it, it was like a split test. Like I was establishing my control and everything since then has been a variable, right? So, you know, establish your control, figure out what your process, your sales style is, um, run with it and, and keep learning, never stop learning. But I, I self probably, there's probably the things that I use on a daily basis from 50 different people who are, quote unquote, sales professionals or, or experts, gurus, if you will. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And to save listeners a little bit of a headache, um, unless they really want to start digging deep, uh, <coughs> Chet Holmes is best known, at least on Amazon, for a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine, which I wonder if that's a, a retitling or a, 
different edition of the book you described, um, but I didn't see um, your description anywhere on Amazon. So if there is a thing like that, that's still out there, it's probably going to be tough for them to dig through. But you made the great point that there's more than one way to skin a cat. It's all about old school sales, sales tactics. Um, you know, and that's I want to throw I something out there while we're talking about Chet Holmes. Mm-hmm. So the, the ultimate sales machine is, is more about the business, turning the business into a machine that's built for sales. Mm. Um, great book. However, like the best Chet Holmes shit is free on YouTube. Uh, I believe the story I heard when Chet Holmes passed away, his wife released uh, this major, major, major training he did. I think it used to be like $45,000 per person to attend this conference. It's called BGM. That's uh, Bravo Golf Mike uh, Training. The Chet, just type Chet Holmes BGM Training. And there's, there's a ton of videos on YouTube that are incredible high-level stuff. Awesome. So Look at that. There's, a, there's a Chet Home plug for you. As if, we, as if we didn't give everyone their money's worth on, on everything you've been talking about so far, that is going to be a huge thing for certain people. Um, it, it will be. That, that right there is amazing training. I go through it probably once a year. Oh, nice. How, how long is it? How many hours? I don't have a clue, man. Most of the videos are like between three and 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's, I think there's like 16 videos. But you know how YouTube is. There's like BGM training dash one And then you got to look for O2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they title, I got you. So it'll be a little bit of a, of a hunting scav. It'll be a scavenger hunt for people, but well worth it. Yeah. yeah not well, too hard to find. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So um, real quick, because you know, you, you went through those rules, which again, I thought were profound. I, I know the way my brain works. I guarantee you, you had people, um, a couple of listeners trying to write everything day, thing down and wishing they had it. So I'm just going to read these off again. Um, Robert Posey's three rules before taking on a client. And these are huge. Uh, number one, you must provide a significant measurable ROI. That return on investment's got to be something that you can really pin to and know that you're doing it the right way. Number two, uh, it has to have a complete 100% belief in the people, product, and the process. And number three, you, you should be able to laugh together, which is more about saying, you know, do you have someone, are you working with someone that's, that's got a good personality that is not going to fuck everything up? That's my interpretation of it, Robert, but you're, you're free to, to correct me on that one. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is when, when you're, when you're, have somebody that you're confident that you can hang out and laugh together. I, I don't know about everybody else, but my experience says that guilty people don't laugh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to work with people with a clean conscience. When they show up and they're, they're feeling themselves, their authentic self, and they, they can joke and laugh and have a good time organically, those very, very – I'm sure you've, you've, everyone who's listening has, has met people that they just – you know, they feel a little weird about talking to even immediately before they open their mouth. And then they meet other people that it's just, or it just feels good. That's a human I want in my life. I like that person, right? That's who I want to work with. So some of it is just personal preference and, and not wanting to work with douchebags. And, and other parts of it are there's, there's stuff behind it, right? There's uh 
you know, I, I guess that uh, psychology of the guilt, guilty conscience, the, uh, the person that has trouble, you know, if they're not comfortable with themselves enough to be able to laugh and have a good time, there's probably something in there that's that eating them up, beating them up, you know, not, not allowing them to show who they are. Right. And technically, if someone wanted, you're not going to break that rule, but if someone wanted to, they could, but they might be lining themselves up for <clears throat> a really miserable experience or a bigger challenge than they ever would have bargained for. I've, I've only personally ever fired one client. Mm. Uh, well, that's not true. I just fired another one the other day. <laughs> Before <laughs> 2019, you'd only <laughs> fired. <laughs> that's correct. Before 2019, there was only one douchebag. <laughs> um, yeah, so in, in that particular case, it wound up that guy that was trying to poach my sales guy. He used us for six weeks. We made him $88,000. And then he tried to poach my sales guy. Mm. Um, the third rule is the thing that saved it from going beyond six weeks. Got it. Got it. Well said. And <clears throat> probably a good time, you know, just for everyone listening, it, it should be 100% crystal clear obvious to you. But, but Robert here is not only a man of integrity, but he is a, a high performer. His team is elite. So... Robert, you're, you're welcome to clarify what I'm about to say here, but if anyone has a solid high-ticket offer and you have a solid way of bringing in leads and you want someone that's going to close things and put them over the top for you, Robert is an excellent, excellent person to reach out to to see if you guys can, can mesh well. And I know there's an easy, an easy way of getting you, just like searching for Robert Posey, that's P-O-S-E-Y, just on Facebook. Um, anyone that had any struggles finding you, they could always just, you know, reach out to me and I can connect you guys. And you have something that you're building out now. It's, it's not ready today, but if someone's listening to this maybe a year from now, they can probably go on over to 123enrollment.com and they'll be able to get a lot more information and a lot easier way to, to start a conversation with you there as well. That's, that's correct. And, and those rules, Everything we've talked about today that apply from the sales side apply to the business owner as well. If you want a super successful product, adhere to those rules. Significant, measurable return on investment. The reason I chose those rules, one of the reasons, is because I know that they make really successful offers. Right. So use those rules for yourself as well. And uh, the only addition that I'll, I'll throw out there to what you just said is yes, we do work with existing high ticket offers. If you are trying to create one and you need some guidance, we do offer some consulting as well. We will coach you through the process of creating your high ticket offer, right? The, the only thing that I will say there is you need to have clarity on what your value is. What problem do you solve? The rest of it I'll coach you on. I'll teach it to you. Mm. Guys, that is an offer you will not find every day. Everyone listening, if, if you've got legit value to offer and you need someone like Robert to help you get over the top, I could not recommend him more. I appreciate that, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, this has been an excellent talk. Um, <clears throat> usually, well, I'd say usually, but honestly, I, I go over the place. But what I like to try to remember to close things out with is 
if you had any final thought or message that you thought was appropriate that you wanted to share with everyone out there listening to, whether it's uh, regarding success, sales, or, or any topic that you'd like, uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, I don't really, <laughs> I don't have anything really that, that comes top of mind, I guess. Don't be a douchebag and make sure you hug and kiss your mom. Dude, yeah. I, I could have put that in my book. I love it. Don't be a douchebag. Make sure you hug and kiss your mom. And if that isn't enough for you, even though it should be, listen to Robert's rules. That There's a million reasons why I wanted Robert on today, but that was the one that finally got me over the top, those rules. They are no joke, and if you're missing the point of them, then you might want to listen again and again and again because there's something to them that's truly profound and truly valuable. Robert, you are the man. Thank you so much again for, for joining us. Maybe we can have you on again soon. Uh, hoping people will know to reach out to you. And, and this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, maybe we, next time we'll get into some strategy and, and teach people something about selling. Hell fucking yes. We'll keep them, leave them wanting more, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much, brother. All right, man. Thank you again, Mr. Robert Posey, for that awesome, awesome interview. Uh, guys, I highly recommend you listen to this one a couple times. Really take the lessons to heart. And um, that's that's really all I got for you today. Quick reminder as always, if you head on over to marketingsalessuperstar.com and you scroll down to the very bottom of the page, you've got an option just because you are my listeners where you can either get a hold of a reduced price session with me if there's some issue that you want to knock out in the realm of marketing and sales, or if for whatever reason you're looking for a free session, well, you can apply for that. And depending on the details of your issue, if I determine that in the solving of your problem, I can help a lot of other people, you know what? We'll give you the session for free. We'll record it. It may or may not end up in a future episode of the Marketing Sales Superstar. It may or may not end up on a future product offering I do, but either way, you'll get more than your money's worth by getting this session. Uh, and I will be giving that to the first five people who dive in and take that offer before the next episode is uploaded. So the time is now. Don't delay. Jump on this if you really want it. Uh, other than that, that's all I got for you today. Again, thank you to Robert. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. You are the marketing sales superstar. And if you didn't know that already, you just found out. Catch you guys next time.